This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On today's episode of Mile Higher. The elements of this case are truly just baffling. There are many different theories floating around there. The unsolved murder of Missy Beavers. It almost looks like riot gear because of the helmet, and it looks like maybe they're wearing some type of bulletproof vest. I don't get why security cameras fail so often. Maybe I just don't understand the technology. I think they're staging the church to look like it was just burglarized. The way that they're walking around doesn't seem like they were committing a burglary. It seems no. like they're waiting for Missy to get there. Uh, I believe that she was targeted. Okay, that's my opinion. It's just a weird way to conceal yourself. Kind of a smart way to conceal yourself at the same time. The closest person to you is the most likely to be involved in your murder or to have murdered you. Possible that Brandon has a motive for killing his wife. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 281. I am your host, Kendall. And I'm your host, Josh. And it is just going to be us today here in the studio. It's been a long time since it was it's just like old us. times. Yeah, yeah, it is like it's old like times. The back in the basement days. Mm-hmm. Basement days. Um, because our team is working real hard trying to get the final touches ready for our our documentary to go out. Actually, by the time that this episode goes live, it will be out. So hopefully a lot of you have seen it. If you haven't yet seen it, you can head over to the True Crime with Kendall Ray YouTube channel and check out our documentary, 530 Days. It is, of course, free to watch. And yeah, I'm, I'm just so nervous. I mean, we put so much into this and I'm really excited to hear what everyone thinks. Me too. Me too. And the link will be in the description or show notes. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, just scroll down a little bit. You should see a link to to go and watch it. Uh, we worked very hard on this project. Yep. It was months and months in, in the making. Year. Yeah, really, really a full year. Really a we full started year. last January. God. Started even before that, but then things got delayed. And yeah, this um, year has just flown by. I know it has. So like already the last couple of weeks. But we are so passionate about creating documentaries. It's really what we want to do. So we hope to do many more. Um, we are going to do at least we're going to start another one and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope that it helps Jessica's case. It's on the Jessica Easterly case, a massive injustice and just failure of the criminal, criminal justice, justice system. system. I yeah. mean, it is such a mess. And New Orleans specifically, I mean, there's many areas of the country where it's an absolute dumpster fire. But New Orleans 
the police down there and, and all their. Yeah, they have a long way to go. Really, really bad. It was very shocking. So the documentary is to really highlight that, to highlight the corruption and the failure of the justice system and the experience that so many families have. Um, so, yeah, that's available now if you would like to check it out. Also, you still have time to donate to our National Center for Missing and Exploited Children campaign. Um, NECMEC is a wonderful organization to give back to this time of year. If you are looking, you know, for places to spread the love this holiday season, you can double your donation because we will match it. If you donate through our campaign page, it has to go through our campaign page so that we are able to keep track of it, obviously. So there will be a link for that below as well. But today we're going to be diving into the unsolved murder of Missy Beavers. And this is a crazy case as any, but the elements of this case are truly just baffling. And the footage, the surveillance footage that we'll be looking at, Missy Beavers was murdered in a church. Uh, which you don't hear about very often. And she was doing a fitness class out of the church, and she was there very early in the morning, and there was somebody else inside that she was unaware of. And that person ultimately murdered her. And this person has never been identified. Nope. This case is still unsolved to this day. Police are still looking for tips on who this individual might be. There's also some very strange characteristics to this individual, some that ultimately I hope will help lead to the capture of whoever this person is but this is a just an absolutely bizarre bizarre case and there is a lot to go over here lots of information and people have very conflicting thoughts about it there are many different theories floating around there so we're going to try to stick to the facts here as much as we can this has definitely drummed up a lot of attention online for sure from web sleuths and you yeah. know everybody kind of putting their two cents into this case and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, right? right? You know, sometimes you end up with misinformation that's not helpful to the case or to law enforcement. And so we're, we're going to be, we'll be talking about some of those different, different things. But ultimately, we're here to present the facts of the case. What do we know? Because there's a lot we still don't know. Police haven't revealed a whole lot of information because this is an ongoing investigation. But there's, there's definitely, there's definitely information that hasn't been released yeah so and this, hopefully that means they're closer to solving it than it may yeah appear. yeah i really hope so too because i feel like this case should be solvable mm -hmm. so with that being said let's go ahead and take a look at the the background and life of terry leanne strickland who went by missy so she was born on august 9th 1970 in graham texas to her parents james c and norma l strickland she grew up in Jacksboro, Texas with her older brother Clifford and her younger brother Clint. Missy was a compassionate, loving, caring, and inclusive person. As a kid, she had no trouble making friends and anyone was welcome in her circle as long as they were down to have fun. Throughout her life, Missy didn't know a stranger, as the expression goes, and she was always willing to help someone in need. Missy attended Jacksboro High School and graduated in 1988, and then from there, she attended a few colleges before settling down at Tarleton State University, and she graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in 1995. And she spent a few years working retail before she married her husband, Brandon Beavers. The two tied the knot on June 20th, 1998, and after they got married, Missy decided that she was going to go back to school 
and ended up earning a teaching certificate in special education and went back to work. And this was really fulfilling work that made Missy feel very happy for several years. But in 2001, after she gave birth to her first daughter, Hannah, she decided to leave her job and become a stay-at-home mom. She wanted to spend as much time as she could with her kids, and I totally get that. In 2003, the Beavers welcomed another daughter, Allison, and then a third daughter, Sarah, who arrived in 2007. Missy was a very loving and devoted mother who raised the kids in Red Oak, Texas. She was also a Christian woman who loved God and always attended mass at the local cowboy church. Cowboy church. That sounds like a party. It is a party. Like what's what's the dip? Is it called a cowboy church? Or is it a type of it's, church or is it the yeah, cowboy church? Yeah, it's just kind of the style of the church. Usually it's like more laid back. It could be in a barn or like something that's just more, you know, people wear Western attire, cowboy boots, cowboy hats. You it's do kind like of that. line dancing in the worship and stuff? Could be. Absolutely. Kind of I mean, sounds pretty Yeah, pretty it's, usually, it's usually got like more of like the, you know, traditional kind of Western music, kind of a country take on uh, your, your classic Christian church I've been to. To one or two in my day. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. A cowboy yeah. church? Yeah, in Oklahoma. Uh, we went to one. Yeah, my dad was kind of obsessed with like that that whole culture and thought it was really fun. My mom was not quite as uh, enthused with <laughs> it. She likes more kind of traditional organ, yeah. you know, hymnal, hymn, hymn singing types wow. of churches. Um, but cowboy churches can be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a vibe. But she thought that all things were possible through God, and she was a very faithful woman. Missy was also known to be very strong and determined, and if there was something she wanted to accomplish, Missy was sure as hell going to do it, and nothing was going to stand in her way. She truly was a doer and believed in herself, and she believed in others too. Family and friends say that Missy was their biggest motivator and their biggest cheerleader in life. Really an inspiring individual. And as her kids got older, she was looking for something to fill her time with. It was also around this time period that she became a lot more interested in fitness. She grew stronger and stronger and realized that she could find a way to combine both of her passions, teaching and fitness. And that's when she discovered Camp Gladiator, which Camp Gladiator is a national organization based in Austin, Texas, that offers personal training, fitness classes and nutrition coaching. Basically, personal trainers can pay money to start their own Camp Gladiator group in their area and then recruit people to take their classes. They also offer workshops for coaches at their headquarters in Austin, and the organization is not explicitly religious, but it's pretty much a Christian kind of workout group, and Camp Gladiator groups are mostly concentrated in Texas and the rest of the South. So not only could Missy you know, get to do fitness, but she could teach the classes as well, which would really combine that love of teaching and fitness together and also uh, help other people. Better yet, she could run her classes through the church, so she and other Christian women could go on their fitness, personal, and faith journeys all together. Many people ran their camp gladiator groups outside on church property, so Missy was able to get permission from a church in nearby Midlothian, Texas, known as Creekside Church of Christ, to host her classes there. Sure enough, Missy's passion and infectious enthusiasm earned her a lot of weekly students. She was really enriched by her work with Camp Gladiator, and she was also very passionate about the company. She was a huge source of inspiration for her students and she was always pushing them to be the best version of themselves. She really challenged them and gave them a safe environment to really better themselves in. 
She ended up going to a Camp Gladiator total transformation camp in Austin in the days before her death, which this is basically a Camp Gladiator conference for coaches at their headquarters in Austin. And, you know, looking into this Camp Gladiator organization, if you, you know, Google it, there's definitely some MLM. Oh, for sure. uh, Stuff going on here. I mean, whenever you hear like, oh, you get to be your own personal, you know, kind of boss and kind of have your own thing going and have people work under you and recruit them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a pyramid scheme. Right, right. Pretty much. To some extent, yeah. In the meantime, her husband Brandon had minor surgery and his mother took care of him as he recovered. Missy sent her mother-in-law a text thanking her and telling her she loved her. And that was the last text that she ever received from Missy. Missy made a Facebook post on April 15th about the surgery and she asked her friends to say a prayer for Brandon while he underwent his procedure. The recovery for this surgery wouldn't take very long though. Brandon had a trip planned and on April 17th, he was scheduled to fly from Texas to Gulfport, Mississippi for a company fishing trip in Biloxi, which Biloxi is a 30-ish minute drive from the Gulfport airport. And it's important to note that this trip wasn't like an impromptu trip. This was an annual fishing trip he did with the company every year. So at 5.20 a.m. that morning, Brandon made a Facebook post and he posted a picture of the North Texas weather radar and mentioned that he had a noon flight to catch that day. He arrived in Biloxi around 7.30 p.m. and his flight coming in had been delayed due to weather. At 6.49 p.m., Missy posted in the Camp Gladiator Midlothian Facebook group announcing her class times and locations for the following day. And then at 7.55 p.m., Missy made a Facebook post saying that her class would still be on at 5 a.m., rain or shine, and if the weather's bad, they would train inside. And she specifically wrote, if it's raining, we will be training. No excuses. You are gladiators. Hell yeah. Then at 9.15 p.m., Brandon made a Facebook post saying, first stop after five-hour plane trip. And this post had a geotag location of the Half Shell Oyster House in Biloxi, Mississippi. Then at 9.23 p.m., Missy posted on Facebook that she was tired and going to bed because she had to be up at 3.30 a.m. Then at 9.30 p.m., Missy and Brandon spoke on the phone. And Brandon says that Missy was already half asleep, but they did say I love you before hanging up. Then on April 18th, 2016, Missy Beavers woke up at her home in Red Oak bright and early, and she was off to Creekside Church for another day of training her Camp Gladiator students. Which their house is roughly like 15 minutes yes. to this church. So it's it's not right in Red Oak, but it's close enough that obviously it makes sense for a location for them to do this at. Mm-hmm. But it is a 15-minute drive. So a large thunderstorm had rolled in that day and the weather was so bad that it made it so the class couldn't happen out on the lawn. And eventually Missy would make her way out to the church to set up before students arrived. But what she didn't know is that someone else had already arrived in the building. At 3.50 a.m., someone dressed in police tactical gear forcibly entered the Creekside Church building And as far as we know, this person was not an officer. Instead, they seemed to be someone that was impersonating one. Security cameras first show this person entering the building wearing a vest, helmet, and gloves. And they were wearing so much clothing that it makes it pretty much impossible to determine anything about them. Yeah, anything about them. You can't see their face. You can't tell if they're a male or a female. 
we've spent a lot of time looking at it and have gone back and forth, male or female. It's really hard to tell. Um, I was going to say, too, just to provide a little more context on what they were wearing. So it's it's very hard to see. Obviously, the surveillance footage isn't like crystal clear and it's kind of zoomed out. And the cameras inside of the church are motion activated. So there's like kind of a delay as the cameras switch on. But it is very evident that it is some type of tactical gear. It, it almost looks like riot gear because of the helmet. And, and it looks like maybe they're wearing some type of uh, bulletproof vest. But it hasn't been determined whether this is like authentic gear or if it's a Halloween costume. And, and to, from what I was hearing from those that are in law enforcement, it sounds like they think this is like, this is not something obtained via like a, a surplus store for police officers or something like that. Um, that this looks to be some type of costume potentially because on the back of of the vest or whatever they're wearing it says police on the back um so obviously why would a police officer a forcibly enter the church wearing and they would not you know yeah there would be evidence for for that happening so whoever this person is you know there's a lot of theories about why they're dressed like this but clearly they were trying to it's just a weird way to conceal yourself it's a on a kind of a smart way to conceal yourself at the same time because maybe if because i'm thinking like if i had cameras at my business and i popped on there and i saw police you know somebody dressed in police gear roaming through my office you know i might be like oh maybe the alarm went off and the police are going through and searching it you know, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this is somebody there to burglarize my, my business. But the attire is very strange. At some point in our life, we've all dealt with the struggles of finding a good doctor, one that listens to you, that actually cares about you, and will help you with whatever you got going on. And sometimes it can be such a pain in the you-know-what to find a doctor who takes your insurance that also has the availability to even see you there's so many doctors that aren't even taking new clients and you might even be in a situation where you're sick or you have a medical concern like I did a few months ago and I needed to see a doctor and I'd have been to a doctor in a long, long time because I just don't like going to those places and I only go if I absolutely need to and this was a problem that I needed to solve. So I don't like going to those places. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I just was. That's just how I was raised. At first, I was pretty stressed out because I didn't know where I was going to go, who's going to help me with this issue that I had. But I remembered our good friends over at ZocDoc and I headed over to ZocDoc.com and I was very quickly able to find a high rated doctor in my area that also had appointments two days from when I was looking. So I was able to get in, see the doctor, get that issue taken care of. And it was such a seamless, easy experience that I will honestly never look for a doctor anyway else other than ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top rated patient review doctors and specialists. You can even filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you and treat almost any condition you're searching for. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 to 48 hours. That's it. And they can even score same day appointments so save yourself the hassle of calling and Googling a new doctor and just use ZocDoc today. Go to ZocDoc.com slash mile higher and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash mile higher. 
ZocDoc.com slash milehigher. And we do have some video surveillance to show you. We will get to that later in the episode. But surveillance cameras do show Missy's car entering the Creekside parking lot at 4.16 a.m. And then at 4.18, cameras show Missy entering the Creekside building. And she is last seen on camera walking towards the suspect's location. I mean, having no idea that someone else was there. So sometime between 4.20 and 5 a.m., this unknown suspect roaming the church confronted Missy and subsequently killed her. At 4.35 a.m., one of Missy's Camp Gladiator students arrived at the church. So for clarification, Missy usually lets students arrive early around 4.30 for fitness classes if it worked better for their schedules. This first student was trying to come early, but they'd never taken a class with Missy before so that when they showed up at that back door, they saw it was locked and they waited outside the door until someone else came. They didn't know that there was a button they could press to unlock the door and let them in. There was usually another student who came in early who could have shown them you know, how to get into the church, but that student wasn't there that day. So the new student waited outside until four more students came around 5 a.m. Some of her students entered the church and that's when they walked in and found the horrifying scene of Missy lying in a pool of blood. She'd been murdered. Immediately, they called the police who rushed to the scene after getting two separate calls, and the fire department arrived at 5.07, and the police arrived three minutes later. So within 10 minutes, first responders were there. And you know we'll, we'll dive into this more later on, but it's just, it's mind-blowing to think how small of a window there was for this person to yeah. murder Missy and then escape and completely flee the premises without anybody seeing them, seeing a car. It's just like they disappeared from the property. And when there was other students out in the parking lot, which this is a fairly large church, um, and the parking lot's fairly large as well, and it wraps around the entire building. But again, there's only one way in and out of this parking lot. And it's just crazy to think that nobody, nobody saw. And again, it was probably still dark out. And it's possible that this person didn't have their headlights on. And maybe they, you know, people weren't paying attention. And it just yeah. happened to like Could be that slip too. out and get back on the highway before anybody noticed. Well, it's so early in the morning, too, that I feel like people are still trying to wake up at that point. And they're not really as vigilant or taking note of things. Well, and why would you be? Right. You know, you wouldn't even be thinking no reason that to suspect. anything horrible like this was, was going on. So... It, I guess it is possible they just slipped out. They discovered Missy's body in the southwest corner of the building and they pronounced her dead at the scene. She was 45 years of age. Broken glass was found all over the hallways at the church. Several exterior and internal doors also had significant damage to them and they showed signs of forced entry. Initially, police believed, based on the evidence, that Missy had accidentally walked in on a burglary going on. After the police arrived, one of Missy's students called Brandon and broke the news to him. They said that there had been an accident, a robbery, and Missy was no longer alive. At 5.30 a.m., Brandon's sister Christy Stout said her mother, Marsha Tucker, called her, and Marsha said that Brandon had just called and told her Missy had been in a bad car wreck. Marsha said she was going to go be with Missy, and since Missy's daughters were home alone, she asked Christy to go be with them. So when Brandon was notified about Missy's death, obviously they're not really sure what was going on, and we don't know exactly what the verbiage that was used, but because they thought this was a burglary gone wrong, the verbiage that was used was potentially bad accident. And so when that was relayed to her, she probably just misinterpreted bad accident as, oh, this was a car accident. Because I mean, if you, if someone were to call you and be like, 
your loved one was just in a bad accident, I think all of us would assume bad accident means car wreck. Um, but really, we're talking about Missy just was in, you know, the wrong place at the wrong time and, you know, walked in on this burglar and this burglar killed her. After getting the news, Brandon decided to drive home in a rental car driven by a friend and he left shortly after receiving the news. At 3 p.m., Brandon arrived back home in a rental car with Mississippi license plates on it. So police, of course, held a press conference that day at 3.30 and they announced her murder and asked the community for any tips. They also released photos and a seven-second video of the suspect taken from the church's interior surveillance cameras. So real quick, we're going to show you just a minute or two of the press conference because I think it just helps uh, sort of set the scene of what's going on at this point in time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good afternoon. <clears throat> My name is Carl Smith, and thank you for coming today. Um, first of all, we want to offer our heartfelt condolences to the family of the victims. This is a uh, tragic event for all involved, including our community. Uh, this morning at approximately 5 a.m., Midlothian officers and EMS were dispatched to an unresponsive person to the Creekside Church at the 5400 block of East Highway 287. Midlothian officers arrived at the location just after fire uh, and department med medics arrived on the scene, and the medics uh, were attending an unresponsive female uh, as officers entered the church. The officers observed a lot of glass, broken glass on the floor, and the female. Uh, uh, and, and as well as the female. They started to search the building to make sure there were no other individuals in the facility. During the search, the officers found evidence of forced entry uh, into the building, indicating a possi possible burglary. The entire building was searched and nobody was found. <clears throat> um, after that, the, the uh, victim was pronounced deceased by Ellis County Justice of the Peace, Bill Woody. Uh, and officers at the scene uh, located evidence in uh, forced entry. Uh, the victim was identified as Terry Beaver, uh, 45 years of age, uh, from Midlothian, Texas. The victim was transported to Dallas County Medical Examiner's Office. Um, uh, during the course of the investigation, the detective located and collected a video evidence. Uh, the video depicts an unknown male walking inside the church building dressed in police type uh, clothing and wearing a helmet and gloves. Uh, we are releasing the video. Uh, we understand is going to do, uh, let you guys know how to get that uh, from our YouTube channel. Uh, we are asking and soliciting any information regarding this offense or identity, identity of any unknown male uh, on the video asked to call Midlothian Police Department at 972-775-3333. The investigation is ongoing and further updates will be provided uh, as additional information comes available. Is it just me or does this police chief seem super nervous? I'm sure he is. He's like almost shaking while while reading through his statement here. And he also mispronounces her last name. 
Well, it says it Missy a- Beaver. It's Missy Beavers. Yeah, well, give him a little credit. It was, it, this literally happened that day. And it's such a shocking thing for this community that I'm, they're not used to doing press conferences like this. I guess if you want to give him a pass on that. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I'm like, you're the, but you're like, you're the chief of police. Like, come on, man. Like, at least get her name right. Like, pronounce yeah. her name correctly. No, I agree. I, I do agree. But yeah, no, I think he's. I just think it was so shocking and, and horrific that everyone in this community just, just rattled. really shook up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, you, you definitely should have. At least get the name the right. The victim's name correct. Yeah. I do. I do see what you're saying there. So obviously this person that was in the church is the prime suspect in Missy's murder. And they're also the only other person that was in the church besides Missy for a 30 minute period where the murder took place. So 30 minutes, this all went down. Yep. Very calculated and quick. And I think this 30 minute window is critical to understanding what happened here. And there's a lot of controversy and discussion around uh, the manner in which Missy was killed. And I think, you know, as we'll get farther into this, there's, we find out what the, the actual suspect had on them as far as potential weapons. And there's still a lot of cloudiness around, well, the police just straight up haven't revealed how she died or what, what killed her despite an autopsy being done, um, which we'll discuss a little bit more later on. But 30 minutes to commit a murder and then get out without being seen. That is a short short window yeah definitely is and it's so frustrating because the surveillance cameras that were watching the exterior of the church were not working at the time of the murder and how many times do we see cases with that i don't get why security cameras fail so often maybe i just don't understand the technology but why yeah or well what's weird to me is they also said that they had footage of her car coming into the parking lot so i wonder if like they only had like the one on the front working and then the ones around the back weren't working or something like that um but yeah it's amazing how many times we see security cameras just not working or not recording or something like that it's really fresh or i I think with this case too there's there's a lot of stuff that's just not being released um as far as footage and things like that well i think it's confirmed that they just weren't working on the outside yeah minus whatever saw her Mm-hmm. truck pull up yeah but the interior cameras were working which is helpful and they captured a person dressed up as a police officer as we explained walking through the building stopping to open doors and to break glass we will have video to go over here in a bit but the police also said that the suspect was a male but the next day they walked that statement back and said that the suspect could be male or female One search warrant says that the suspect walked with a, quote, feminine sway. However, this is definitely up for debate. What's a feminine sway? (laughs) Where do you even pull that from? Feminine sway. I guess. Is this like how you walk? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. When we we watch it, we'll go more over it. Because there's definitely parts of it where I, I sense the way they're walking seems more like a female to me. But. I don't know. It's you can't. Well, it's say hard it too because they have like conclusively. They have a gate or like kind of a, a limp to them. Yes, which is weird. But again, yeah, they're covered head to toe in gear. There's no. There's no way to make out their face because they're covering their face. Their whole body's covered. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, at this point, no one has been able to determine conclusively whether or not this is a male or a female. And it's been highly debated online and throughout this community. It is estimated that the suspect is between 5'2 and 5'7. And as Josh said, they have a gait or a specific way of walking. They sort of walked with a unique limp and their feet pointing outward. A forensic podiatrist reviewed the footage and said that the suspect likely had some sort of recent injury, which is interesting, and we'll get to that, to their right foot or leg. And it's possible that this was caused by a temporary injury that the suspect has now healed from. Important to note. And we want to let you guys know these things before we go through and watch the footage so you can keep an eye out for all of this as you're watching. But keep in mind the cameras inside the church are motion activated. So they start recording when there's motion and stop when there isn't, of course. So the police released seven seconds of the surveillance footage when they first announced the murder. But as time has gone on, they've released much more of the footage from the church. So we're going to show you everything that they've released up until today, which is December 14th, 20 or 13th, 2023. Um, we have two minutes of footage to show you, but with that being said, it doesn't mean the suspect was inside the building for only two minutes. Police have also not released any surveillance photos or videos of Missy. And it's very possible that for an investigative purpose, there is more of this video that has not been released to the public. I mean, there's likely that's the case, but who knows? I was curious to see because they came up with five two to five seven for the height of the suspect. And I think they did they did some, you know, they had to analyze the footage and there's ways to kind of gauge roughly how tall a person is that's still from a the pretty footage. Broad but yeah, I mean that's that's but it, it's interesting that it's on the lowest or shortest end is five two. And I just looked up what's the average height for for males and um the average height for a male is just under 510 so like 59 59 and a half is like the average height for a male and it's like yeah you can get into averages like that but there's but again, always there's outliers plenty and of short short kings but, out there yes definitely short yeah. kings anyway let's go ahead and watch this video and see what you guys think and we'll kind of share there's no our audio over so. yeah because there is no audio so we'll kind of discuss and if you're listening to this i highly recommend that you know if you're listening in your car like go home and like look up the youtube video because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is very very eerie stuff or you can yeah go to our or channel spotify and watch too. it or spotify we have video, we have video. upload as well as well all right let's see it so the cameras are positioned in the hallways of the church it looks like and there's just this darkly clad sort of stop motion mm -hmm. they're just kind of opening doors and looking inside and then they leave the door open and they're very casual as they're doing this they look very relaxed now this the individual's trying to see if they can pry open this particular door with the tool that they have it looks like they have some type of hammer with you know an end that you can like pry up nails with and then they have i believe they have a pry bar with them as well on the other hand it's it's kind of hard to make out because of how far the camera is from uh, the individual but they're just yeah they're in no rush no very very relaxed and they seem so nonchalant about it like so they're not really sure what they're doing they're sort of like aimlessly walking in my opinion now 
some of this footage, this in this part, I sense more of a male. But there's other parts where I sense more female or or see more female. Yeah, this this suspect is walking with their right foot kind of turned more outwards. Yeah. And kind of it's definitely got a bit of a limp to it. But they're just casually strolling through the hallways of this church, just breaking glass, popping, going in and out of doors. It's like, are they looking for something? Or it looks just... like they're looking for something, but they don't look like they're looking that hard. No. Like it was almost seems to me like they were Oh, breaking glass. Sort of killing time before yeah. the murder they had planned. Like they're just waiting and checking around to see if there's anything. I don't know. Unless they are looking for something specific and it's someone who's familiar with the church. So these days, there is a subscription for literally everything. And it can get so overwhelming and it's hard to keep track of what subscriptions you have going. And when I first got started with Rocket Money, I could not believe how much I was paying in subscriptions and how much I was paying for subscriptions that I straight up forgot I had or free trials that I started that I forgot to cancel. And it can just be such a pain to go and manually cancel them, find them all. It's just a task that no one wants to waste their time on. And if you are unsure about how much you're spending in subscriptions, let me tell you, Rocket Money can be a huge game changer for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills all in one place. I can see all of my subscriptions right there. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service because I'm sure so many of you have experienced this where you're trying to cancel someone and they are so difficult about it. They're like trying to give you other offers or convince you to stay or, you know, it just is person after person. It takes forever to the point where you don't want to deal with it. So you just keep paying for it. It's so annoying, but Rocket Money just takes care of that. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. That is insane. So stop wasting money on things you don't use and cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash milehigher. That's rocketmoney.com slash milehire, rocketmoney.com slash milehire. Now, an autopsy for Missy was completed the day after her murder, but police aren't officially releasing her cause of death due to the investigation. They did say, quote, that she had multiple puncture wounds on her head and chest that are consistent with the tools that the suspect was carrying throughout the building. It has been suspected that the murder weapon was a hammer. It's not confirmed either way, but considering the fact that the suspect in the video walked around and broke things with a hammer, I mean, it does seem like that could have been what was used. It was also reported that the police found a gun next to Missy's body, but this is actually not the case. The police have said that the only gun found at the scene was Missy's, and it was actually in her truck when they arrived there, and they said it was not used in the murder. Based on this statement by the authorities that we pulled from search warrants, it is possible that the puncture wounds found on Missy aren't necessarily from the tools that the suspect was carrying. Obviously, when you put you know two and two together, you're like, you know, clearly that was the murder weapon, but we just don't know for sure if 
the hammer or the pry bar that they had was the murder weapon. There's also the possibility that this was, you know, there was gunshot wounds as well. Right. And they're just calling it puncture wounds for the sake of the investigation because they're they're trying to give just enough so that the warrant can get approved or something along those lines. And maybe they just don't want to give away too much information. Because, I mean, technically, if you look at a gunshot wound, it's a hole. I mean, it's a puncture wound on the skin. Until we know the official cause of death, there's a possibility that a gun was also involved and that gun was just taken with the suspect from the scene. And that's just never been found, obviously. So still a lot we don't know. Because there's also very good evidence to suggest that Missy was in fact shot. And this comes from the website murderdata.org, which if you use this website, you can search cases by county, year, age of victim, and things like that. When you input the fields 2016 Ellis County and female victim, Missy's case popped up. And you can tell that this is Missy's case because it's the only result that comes up when you input these different fields. And the other info that also pulls up matches with Missy as well. The fact that she was white, She's a female, age 45 years old, and the case is unsolved, and the perpetrator is yet to be identified. Plus, of course, the fact that the murder occurred in Midlothian in April 2016, which if you're not familiar with murderdata.org, it pulls its info from two FBI data sets, the Uniform Crime Report from 1965 to present, and the Supplementary Homicide Report from 1976 to present. They've also used the Freedom of Information Act to get data from 39,000 homicides that were not reported to the Justice Department. So basically, this website is the most complete database on U.S. homicides you can get, and the info is credible. The site is run by the Murder Accountability Project, whose board of directors includes investigative journalists, former FBI, forensic experts, and former law enforcement officers. So now we've established that this is Missy's case on that website, and when you search it up, the murder weapon is listed as, quote, handgun, pistol, revolver, etc., which is very interesting because, um, you know, is that a mistake? Is that misreported or is that the real real information in the search warrant dated april 18th the police said missy was quote deceased from a head wound and that the suspect quote used an unknown instrument to cause the death of terry beavers at this location police think that the killer may have recorded or even taken photographs of the murder on their smartphone and they have not been able to confirm whether or not the police gear the suspect was wearing is in fact genuine or authentic this killer may have been someone who knew Missy or at least knew her schedule, and this murder seems targeted, maybe even personal. Or, of course, it's possible that this is just a complete stranger that didn't know her and it was just, you know, bad, bad luck, you know, just there at the wrong, wrong time. At first, police consider the theory that Missy's murder was part of a robbery gone wrong, but there's not a lot that would point to this theory. Because nothing of value was stolen from the church, and items like Missy's iPad, her purse, and other valuables are still in her truck, uh, which, for reference, was a 2012 gray Ford F-150. So, in churches are not like, as far as I know, not huge spots for for burglaries. It de definitely well, does happen. Some depends on the church. Yeah, right? obviously. Like a mega church is probably going to have more equipment or more valuables than a, a small, like little community church like this. Like, if you think about items of value, the only thing I can really think of is audiovisual equipment, like speakers and electronics, computers, mm -hmm. things like that. Also, and I'm certainly no expert, but in my mind, the way that they're walking around doesn't seem like they were committing a burglary. It seems no. like they're waiting for Missy to get there and they're just like, and staging a and, burglary yeah 
Yes. I think they're staging possibly the church to look like it was just burglarized. Possibly, yeah. To potentially throw law enforcement off of their path. Because why else would you, even if you're just there to commit a murder, why not just lie in wait somewhere? And why why expose yourself on camera, especially since you probably can see them up up in the you know ceiling? And why break a bunch of stuff, right? Like why break glass and open all the doors? It to me it looks like they were trying to ransack the place, make it look like it was being burglarized, but that's obviously what not what they were there for. So a candlelight vigil was held for Missy the night after her murder, and almost 200 people came out to show support for Missy and her family and honor her memory. Earlier that day, Brandon made a statement and took some questions from reporters outside of his house, and we have video of that to share with you today. Um, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Yeah, okay. give me a second. Now, this is a long video, and it's been highly scrutinized. What are you going through right now? Today? People have right all types well, I, of thoughts I don't want to do it. interviews, okay? I just want to make a statement. Is that all right? Tell us, tell us what you want to say. Okay. Yeah, I don't... I don't. I said, hang on. I'm having a problem with the camera. Yeah, let him get ready. And y'all and can y'all can funnel this up to the right. other media no, outlets, no, okay? Yes, sir. And I, and I can be done with this, yes, right? Yes, sir. Okay. We appreciate you coming out. We know it's got to be terribly difficult and we're really just hoping you'll speak from your heart that's your wife and may we all just say we are sorry we are sorry for your family's loss i appreciate it i, I haven't uh i haven't had a whole lot of time to you know uh i haven't had a lot of time to be get emotional about this yet i've been dealing with the uh immediate needs of my children uh i mean this morning i've had some uh uh, this morning, I finally started thinking about the events that occurred yesterday morning, and uh, so you know, I'm starting with that process today. You got it, yes, sir. Uh, my wife was a uh, she was a godly woman, and she was a very uh, uh, she was very passionate about changing people's lives uh, with fitness and uh, <clears throat> changing their mental attitude towards their body and themselves and their abilities in life. And, uh, uh, you know, personally, I, I haven't involved myself in a lot of what she does, but now that I'm seeing some of her campers, uh, I, I've noticed a substantial impact that she's had on so many people's lives. And I'm very proud of her, and uh, I, I just want it to be publicly known that uh, uh, we are very proud of, of all of the uh, passion and effort that she's put into so many people's lives. Needless to say, it, it's the opinion of the police department that uh, the perpetrator didn't know the presence of my wife or, or that she was going to be there, I think. My wife walked in on a uh, robbery. That's and that's just an opinion. That's not fact. Um, so you don't uh, think she was targeted, or like that she was particularly? Uh, in and in, in it's in strictly my opinion. 
I don't think she was targeted. So that is a 25, 23 minute video. So if you want to see the rest of it, I would suggest looking it up because there, there is a lot of interesting things that were said that people have, like yeah. I said, highly scrutinized. And Yeah, he covers a lot of different, different topics in there. Mm-hmm. Um, speaks a lot on her faith for sure and how important that was to her. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that in this particular clip, he says that it looks like, and again, this is right after it happens, that this was a burglary, that she wasn't targeted, and that she just was in the you know wrong place at the wrong time. Well, he's and, saying that's in his opinion. Right. Based on what the police are telling him. Right. And it's still, I mean, this was so early on, too, that, I mean, who knows how things have developed, but. Yeah, well, as we'll see in a later clip, his uh, his opinions on on things definitely change. Yeah, and people have been very critical. I mean, I understand where people are coming from, and I have my own feelings too. That oft, a lot of the times, the closest person to you is is the most likely. It's statistically proven is the most likely to be involved in your murder or to have murdered you, and so people are very suspicious of him and there there are reasons that we will go over um but i do think you know people have judged a lot on what he said here lack of emotion lack of like you know your wife was you just think he'd murdered be devastated yeah. that his loving loving wife and mother of his kids was just brutally murdered and of course and... i i feel like i would be that way i actually i know i would be that way i know you would be like that I, I know most people feel they would be that way, but you never really know how you would react when you're in the situation and you don't know what's happening behind closed doors or how comfortable he is with showing emotion. Everyone processes grief so differently. I just wanted to say that, you know, that. Yeah. Can't, I don't know how much you can like read. You can't really judge there people are other on their things grief we can response. look into as well, of course. And I'm not saying definitely wasn't involved, but. Well, plus, plus you got to think too, like he said, you know, I've been just figuring out my kids situation. Yeah. So he probably doesn't want to be, you know, he wants to hold it together for his kids too. Yeah. Cause that's a really tough thing to process with your children. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, I, I can only imagine in my situation, like if I was distraught and like that might make it worse for the kids, you know, at least like dealing with that situation like maybe you trying to hold it together so that your kids aren't aren't also freaking out yeah um so yeah there's we just we don't really know like you said what's happening outside of this interview and like of course i i completely understand the people who are instantly skeptical and judging that type of reaction because you look at people like like Chris Watts comes to mind and the way that he was interviewed in the beginning and seemed to lack that emotion and care. And and look, people mm. were right. They judged him off the bat and they were right. So I'm not judging people who are analyzing and criticizing all of that. I just think it's important to note that everyone processes things so differently. And you never really know the full story. That's all I want to say. This episode of Mile Higher Podcast is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and their tushies do too. Huggies' best fitting diaper is their Little Movers with its curved and stretchy fit. 
Parents know that there's nothing worse than an ill-fitting diaper, especially for your active babies, and that is just so true. The right diaper makes all the difference. We love Huggies because we can rely on them to keep our baby covered while she's moving around. And now that she's walking, she's moving around a lot. But what we love most about Huggies is they offer 12-hour protection against leaks, which is a game changer, especially because our daughter sleeps 11 to 12 hours a night, and she can make it through the night without having to get changed, so we don't have to wake up. Her sleep isn't disturbed. It's just the best. She's dry every morning. Yeah, she is. It's, it's amazing. And Huggies Little Movers are curved, so babies feel comfy no matter how much they're moving around. And like I said, they're moving around a lot. So get your baby's butt into Huggies Best Fitting Diapers. Huggies Little Movers, we got you, baby. So on the 20th, Texas Rangers, ATF, and FBI all joined the case. An ATF bomb-sniffing dog named Titan was sent to the Creekside Church that day. And just to note, Titan could hit on things like gun casings and residue. We do not know the outcome of this search, however. It's been kept under wrap. But police issued a search warrant for Brandon's Facebook account on April 20th and executed the next day. And we learned from this search warrant that, according to Brandon, Missy had an extramarital affair with at least one person. One warrant mentioned that data dumps examined from Missy and Brandon's phones showed investigators that the couple had, quote, ongoing financial and marital struggle. There was also evidence of, quote, intimate personal relationships external to the marriage. So obviously when people hear that, yeah, you are thinking, well, is it possible that Brandon has a motive for killing his wife? Or is it possible that, and yes, that's, I am definitely not, defending either way or you know i just wanted to say it could also explain the way that he's acting in that interview as well that they had this strained relationship that doesn't necessarily mean he was the he one killed to kill her, her right, and he right. could still have a uh, emotional separation a lack of emotion when giving this after her death makes sense yeah just wanted to cover all angles here you know as a result of the data dumps they were able to identify the person who Missy was having an affair with. And it also seems like this individual's daughter was one of Missy's daughter's friends. Um, and that's, that's what we'll say about that. The warrant also states that police saw messages showing that it was Missy's, quote, common practice to use Facebook services to arrange and discuss assignations, which is just a fancy word for basically lover's secret rendezvous. Police also stated that they uncovered communications where Missy was arranging to meet with, quote, other persons through Facebook private chat service, specifically another individual whom Missy had also been talking to on LinkedIn from January up until her death. The messages were also, quote, ultimately flirtatious and familiar. And according to police, these conversations were deleted from one or both of their phones and could only be partially recovered. They also described the conversations as, quote, intimate. So Missy was having extramarital affairs potentially with more than one individual or at least having discussions uh, around uh, that type of uh, relationship. Then three days before her death, Missy received, quote, creepy and strange messages from an unknown profile. So to be clear, the creepy messages did not come from this other individual whom she was kind of flirting with, talking to also on LinkedIn. But Missy showed one of her friends you know, the messages from this 
uh, unknown profile and they both agreed it was very weird but missy's friend could not remember what the profile's name was so were police able to track down who this individual was we just don't know uh, because again they may have used a fake name i think it's a little bit harder to do like a fake name type thing on linkedin um, but it's it's still possible or missy was getting your you know just run-of-the-mill random creep on social media or linkedin who was just reaching reaching out to her for whatever reason but speculation in the case was already running wild days after missy was murdered internet sleuths accused many people of being missy's killer including brandon beavers and even his father randy and the media went crazy for days after the murder when Randy Beavers took a bloody shirt to the dry cleaners. The shirt was a white, extra, extra large women's shirt, and it was one of four shirts Randy took in for cleaning. The receipt noted that the shirt was covered in animal blood. The dry cleaners had obviously heard about Missy's murder, and the bloody shirt alarmed them, so they called the police right after Randy left, which later on in an interview, Randy said they appreciated the phone call because it meant the public was aware and vigilant when it came to Missy's case. But Randy said that this had nothing to do with Missy's murder. In fact, he explained that the cleaners and that shirt they had, the blood was a dog's blood. What happened was that him and his wife's Chihuahua Kilo had snapped at a family friend's dog and another very protective dog saw this and actually grabbed Kilo and wouldn't let go. Randy's wife Vicky scooped up the badly injured dog and they raced it to an animal hospital and that's how the blood got on the shirts. Unfortunately, the dog did not make it. Midlothian police obtained a warrant that day. They seized the shirt and sent it in for testing. And in the meantime, the media went absolutely crazy about this, this new development in the story. The Beavers knew that this story is going to get spinned out of control. So they tried to talk to the media to clear things up. Let's go ahead and take a look at that press conference that Randy and Brandon did. Uh, they're talking to the media outside the police station here. That's a long issue. Randy, minor thing. The dry cleaner had your shirt listed as a woman's double XL shirt. Just a mistake. The what? Your shirt, the dry cleaner listed your shirt with the blood stains on it as a woman. Well, my wife, my wife's shirt had my wife's white shirt had blood stains on it too. So both of us had blood stains on her shirt and mine. So because it, you know. So there are two shirts of blood on it. Yeah. The worn only listed one. The worn only listed one. Where's the other shirt? The dry cleaner's. So the dry cleaner calls and says there's blood on I don't know I don't know what the dry I don't know the conversation between the cleaners and the police station. Okay, I don't know that conversation. So you're saying there are there are there's blood there, on two there's there's two shirts that's got blood on. Okay. Oh, so that, yeah. 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 Then, Randy, even though it's brought you this attention, would you say that you're glad that they're looking so closely? You better believe it. it. You better believe it. You better believe it. I, if they weren't, they wouldn't be doing their job. Okay. So by them doing this, it tells me that they're being diligent and doing their job on, on any any tiny little whatever comes across is being looked at. And it should be. So that's great. Do you have a photo of that chihuahua? You know, I keep a lot of photos uh, of my dog. No. So, so. <laughs> my wife would have, but I don't have one. But, you know, but it's just a, it's just a little. That, that, that was like mine. <laughs> that dog was her. Uh, that dog was a very precious animal to her. Yeah, it I was. Mean, very, you know. What's his or her name? Huh? Kilo. 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 And you get, did you get your wife to email us a picture of the uh, dog? Well, we'll see. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Internet sleuths got another piece of info after the Midlothian police allowed the public release of another search warrant they obtained on April 25th. And this was a warrant for the AT&T records for 11 numbers belonging to nine people. The warrant calls them, quote, target numbers. 
And these include Missy's number, two of Brandon's phone numbers, Missy's father-in-law, Randy Beaver's number, and two of his wife, Vicky's numbers. The other five people are family friends. And those individuals include the man whom Missy was having an affair with. Uh, it also lists a man who knows Missy through Camp Gladiator. And that man's wife is also listed. Uh, they're family friends uh, of Missy's. So this other individual who knew Missy through Camp Gladiator and his wife was also friends with Missy. They had both recently attended the Camp Gladiator conference in Austin. So they were like, I guess, kind of coworkers in a way or colleagues. And they had both ran classes in the same area-ish. This individual also taught women's self-defense and he allegedly occasionally used police-style gear in these trainings. Also allegedly, this individual's wife had an injured right foot or foot surgery around the time that Missy was murdered. So people speculated that one or both of these individuals were involved in the murder with, I guess, the motive being jealousy, you know, potentially or potentially to undercut uh, the competition in the area for Camp Gladiator. Um, there's a couple different implications here. Um, you know, perhaps this individual, you know, at the conference had a rendezvous with Missy. Um, but, you know, these are just just speculation, just rumors. Uh, there's also rumor that Missy's daughter said she was, quote, afraid of uh, this man's wife. Um, and again, this is just a rumor and not true because Missy and this woman had never actually met before. So this colleague of Missy's posted on Facebook on April 25th that people driving black chargers stole his trash. Later, he replied to a comment saying he found out who stole the trash and someone asked if he knew why they took it. And he said, quote, yep, I was told crazy story. Can't talk about it right now. Um, AKA it was police related to Missy's case, um, which is kind of so obviously the police were taking a look at this individual. Um, this individual is also teaching back to back classes starting at 5 a.m. the day Missy was murdered. As for his wife, she was apparently at home, but with four kids, one of them being an infant. So it's hard to believe she'd have an opportunity to, you know, plan and execute this murder. Some of the family friends police named as quote target numbers spoke to a local news outlet. They said they had no idea why they were being included on the list and they hadn't had any contact with Missy in the days before her death. The police say that they've contacted all the people listed as these quote unquote target numbers and everyone has been cooperative. They now say that the persons listed in the documents are not suspects and they were never considered suspects in the first place. So because they're not considered suspects we don't feel comfortable putting their names out there if you really want to find their names you can track them down uh, but for the sake of the investigation we don't want to release those names or you know send any yeah. ill will towards them necessarily you know what mm -hmm. i mean they're they're not suspects they were just looked at because their phone numbers popped up uh, when they did that when they did that at&t warrant so of course police are going to at least take a look at them the Midlothian police have said that they are now pursuing several new persons of interest and they have not named these people in the document. They also have announced that they do not suspect any of Missy's family, friends, or co-workers in her murder at this time. And here's what Brandon had to say about that. At this point, none of the family, friends, or co-workers of Missy Beavers are considered suspects. But Brandon Beavers said no one should take that as meaning anybody has been clear. It's just like the officer said today when I met with them, myself and everybody else in this investigation, despite the fact that they've come out and said they're no longer suspects, doesn't mean that they've been eradicated from the investigation because the door has to be left open. 
once they've scoured the field, uh, they should never close the door, you know, to you or anybody else, to, to nobody. So obviously the, the whole bloody shirt thing is definitely creepy and didn't look good. And people were really running with that. However, on June 6th, the test results from the bloody shirt came back and did confirm Randy's story. The results showed that it was, in fact, animal blood and confirmed that no human blood was on the shirt. And also the vet who treated Kilo the dog also confirmed the dogfight story with police. But many people still weren't convinced. They thought that Randy fit the physical description of the suspect. He's stocky and walked with a distinctive gait. But Randy does have an alibi. And we're going to be clear here. The police have said they looked into Randy, his wife, Vicky, and Brandon Beavers, and they all have solid alibis. As we mentioned, on the day that Missy was murdered, Brandon was in Biloxi, Mississippi. He has that photo placing him at the Half Shell Oyster House at 9.15 p.m. on the 17th. And the FBI verified that his phone was pinging from Biloxi at the time of the murder. And again, he has multiple people who have vouched for him being in Biloxi including the captain of a fishing charter that Brandon had gone on. The FBI went down to Biloxi themselves and confirmed his alibi from multiple witnesses. Also, Brandon had round-trip tickets for this trip. His flight to Gulfport wasn't a one-way plane ticket, as many people online have reported, which there's just been wild amounts of false information online. Obviously, though, Brandon had to leave the trip early due to his wife being murdered. And Brandon did not drive the car back to Texas. Someone else drove him. So he didn't take his booked return flight as planned. And here's Brandon elaborating further on this. Uh, they had everything. They have my flight uh, tickets, the rental car that we rented in Gulfport, Mississippi. Matter of fact, when I pulled into my driveway Monday at 3 p.m., I was in a car with Mississippi plates on it. And uh, I mean, all of that is... All of that's a non, that's a non-issue. And although it hasn't been publicly stated, it's not hard to assume why he didn't take his returning flight home. The thought of booking the next possible flight home could have been hours out and then going to the airport through security and sitting on a two-hour flight full of strangers directly after you just found out your wife has been murdered. I mean, seems pretty unimaginable, to put it lightly. And second of all, because of how awful that sounds, you'd probably rather sit in a car driven by someone you know for a few hours longer in travel time. Again, a two-hour flight is not just two hours of travel. It's getting to and from the airport, security, waiting to board, boarding on top of the flight time. So if you're in a car and you can use your phone the whole time to make and receive calls from police, family, and friends, which of course he needed to do, it really does make sense. And many people have accepted that Brandon was not at the church when Missy was murdered, but they still think it's possible that maybe Brandon put a hit out on Missy. And of course, this is a possibility. But usually hits cost a sizable amount of money. FBI forensic accountants have looked through all of Brandon's finances really thoroughly and didn't find any evidence of money going in or out for some sort of hit, which of course doesn't mean it's not possible. And we we have covered cases where people are you know, paid extremely low amounts of money to commit murders, like shockingly low. But yeah, all evidence really seems to point to that not being the case. Especially since the FBI is on this case. Yeah. I have a lot more faith in their investigative Very abilities true. and the forensics that they're able to do that. I think it's 
enough to make this less possible not impossible because mm -hmm. again you never know if it's an individual yeah. that he communicated with in person and there's no electronic record of of this conversation and that maybe there was no money exchange because sometimes it's for in exchange for other things mm -hmm. um, you just never never know you know what those agreements look like but i think for like i think if you're considering a professional hitman who's going to charge you know a lot of money to do a clean job as they call it you know there would probably be some evidence for that somewhere that the fbi has been able to uncover but then maybe they haven't uncovered it and it's it's out there somewhere else and you know you ju we just really don't know but i do think it makes it less likely that it was a hit job just based on what the fbi has told us i do too i don't know how helpful it is to speculate all of the different ways it could have been. I think people are just really hung up on the fact that most of the time mm -hmm. in these types of cases, it is the one closest to the victim. And that he hasn't behaved in, in the right. way that people think he should have. I mean, that's I'm, not enough. No, it's not enough. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. My, my first gut reaction to this case was I thought Brandon yeah. was, was possibly involved. Me too, looking at it. From a very, you know, sim in simple terms, when we first started kind of looking through it. Because, like, one of the things that kind of has stuck out to me, and maybe I'm just, like, reading too much into this, but the fact he was very deliberate with posting on Facebook about his flight info. Like, he put out that Facebook post, and I don't know, I've, I've not combed his facebook page so i don't know if that's like something he normally does where you, he like posts i'm going on this flight at this time mm -hmm. and like posts a picture of himself there and things like that yeah i see what you're saying so like from a more suspicious you know investigative look i'd be like is that gen is that just him being a genuine that's his genuine facebook activity or could that be him deliberately putting you know creating his alibi right of like right i'm gonna make sure it's like extra known and there's online proof of where i was and what i was doing at the time that this all happened yeah i, I see what you mean but yeah some people do really share everything like yeah people totally. share every little thing they do on facebook so you never really know i do see what you're saying though kind of like creating the story in advance but, but facebook I, know, I think is, it's getting too is really it, it is and facebook is really popular for this demographic i feel like yeah mm -hmm. um that you know they really like to use facebook and we've other cases that we've covered down in this area it seemed like all the drama was going on on facebook yeah you, remember, you know yeah you know what i'm I'm talking about <laughs> totally yep so i see what it wouldn't mean. surprise me if this is just like normal facebook behavior for him but from like an outside looking in without a lot of information my gut that was my gut reaction like eh, almost seems a little too perfect that he has you know the flight info and like he's he telling everybody where he is almost and, seems you know it is and that's just, not enough and he, and also the more we watch these interviews with him his demeanor's not changing either there's no like there is no emotion coming during these interviews with press and the other thing was what he said at the end of that that the door can never be closed on basically me my family, my friends, people that knew Missy or worked with Missy, the fact that he like said that to me, just like, 
I don't know, made the hairs on my neck stand up a little bit because I'm just like, that is a, kind of a weird thing to say. Really? I kind of feel like it is. I feel like it's a little sus, a little sus. And doesn't mean that he did anything, but it's just kind of weird. Like if you look at, I mean, if you go and watch interviews with, with family members of, you know, their, their loved ones were murdered by somebody that they didn't know. And, you know, it's just a different interaction going on. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm sure there's others out there who maybe see what I'm saying or have felt the same way. I just oh, feel like are. something there is are very, others for sure. Just odd. I don't know. Just, I don't want to judge too much. But then again, you know, the police are saying that none of them are suspects. Doesn't and mean that they're. It's also just very stressful to do these interviews when you know that people are accusing you. Like it makes you act weird. Don't you think if you were being accused or people are suspicious that you committed a murder, especially of your loved one and you actually didn't, don't you think you'd act a little strange yeah, and maybe not say things exactly right? Well, then there's always the situation where if you do show emotion, people pick that apart too. Yeah. Like, and they're oh, like, they're, oh, they're, those fake. are crocodile tears. Totally. Those are, you know what I mean? So people could even give you an even worse reaction well, if you do. People find things, yeah. If you do I mean, get emotional. How many cases have people's reactions been judged? And then it's late, later, it's determined that it was someone else and they had nothing to do with it. And they went through that scrutiny. So it just, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. I see what people are saying. I just think you got to be really careful. I do have confidence in the FBI that they're I do th too. they're figuring this out and if there is anything there with him, they're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Josh, it is almost that time of the week again. Do you know what time it is? I do know what time it is. It is time to pick our meals for HelloFresh for next week. That is right. And it's going to be hard for us this week because they have so many good options. And it is always so difficult for us to narrow down which ones we want. I always get excited when some of our favorite recipes pop up. Mm -hmm. Like the buff the crispy onion buffalo chicken oh, yeah, is like one that. of my favorite ones. And it's so easy to make. I can whip that up in like 15 minutes now. I've gotten a lot faster at doing the HelloFresh meals too. Like yeah, most of them take... 30 minutes or so, give or take, but I've gotten some of them down. Like I don't even need to look at the recipe cards anymore because I just know how it goes. I put think it together quickly. My favorite is their The ramen, but... yeah. The katsu ramen recipes have always been delicious because it's not something we would make like, I wouldn't make that like normally no. without HelloFresh. And that's why I like HelloFresh. It kind of pushes you to make things that would seem difficult and then they're not actually that difficult. Like they're a uh, buff. Is also really good. Yeah, we had uh, beef so It was really good. So if you haven't tried HelloFresh, there's no better time than the holiday season to alleviate some of that stress of going to the grocery store, having to like meal plan and figure out what you're going to cook every single night of the week, or just save yourself some money, you know, save that money for, for gifts or your holiday vacation and get HelloFresh. It is the most cost-effective way to eat healthy delicious i mean some of the meals i'm like this is restaurant quality here and everything is fresh straight from the farm pretty much it's yeah really good their, like, their produce is better than what i find at our local grocery store it's so true it's actually crazy it is hella fresh so spend your time this month shopping for gifts and sipping cocoa not stuck in the checkout line sign up for hella fresh and get everything you need to whip up a fresh tasty meal delivered to your door we love that we can select our delivery date we can 
stop start our subscription whenever we want to mm -hmm. which is great for when we travel yeah we can get less meals if we have certain things going on we're not gonna be home yeah or if we want to like double up on the servings we can always mm -hmm. do that yep, love the customization yeah tons of customization and right now they've got a very special offer for you if you go to hellofresh.com slash mile hire free and use code mile hire free you get free breakfast for life damn free what breakfast for life Get one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active, and that's free breakfast for life at hellfresh.com slash milehirefree with code milehirefree. Christy Stout, Brandon's sister, has said this in a Facebook group discussing the case, quote, Brandon has been bugged by FBI, grilled like you would never fathom, and his story has never changed. If I could sit you all down in a room with a marker board and show you what we've learned about this case and how much work people have been involved, end quote. As for Randy's alibi, he was out of town too, in California with his second wife, Vicky. He and Vicky live in Austin, so the Midlothian area is not home to them, and they like to travel around in their RVs, so at the time, they were staying at RV campgrounds on a trip through Cali. Randy, Vicky, and a third party were at a golf course in Oceanside, California on the Sunday afternoon before the murder, and they also took a photo that afternoon at the golf course, which helped police corroborate the alibi. So again, they could just be very avid Facebook users. Um, they like, you know, it's just where they, they post what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. Midlothian police said via Facebook that they investigated and confirmed Randy's alibi. Investigators confirmed Randy's alibi through witness statements and his electronic communications. The FBI also confirmed that Randy and Vicky's phones were pinging from San Diego at the time of Missy's murder. Investigators also confirmed with witnesses who spoke to Randy in person in California. At times, that matched up with phone pings from those locations. So they were able to confirm he was where he was when he said he was. They also confirmed that Randy and Vicky flew back to Texas on an American Airlines flight the next day. They were in Midlothian by the end of Tuesday when they attended Missy's candlelight vigil. The police also issued a search warrant for cell tower records from within a five-mile radius of the church from 3 to 5 a.m. on the day of Missy's murder. Again, Missy posted the date, time, and location of her classes on the internet, so police are also looking into anyone who checked that information. And that's like one of the big pieces of this case that I go back to as well, is the fact that she, she had this Facebook group and she was posting when and where she was going to be. So somebody who may or may not know her would have been able to easily figure out where she was going to be that morning and could have took advantage of that. But on May 20th, 2016, police announced that they were looking to speak to the driver of a 2010 to 2012 Nissan Altima because around 2 a.m. on the morning of Missy's murder, this driver pulled into the parking lot of a Midlothian business called SWFA Outdoors and behaved erratically. And this was just hours before Missy was murdered. SWFA is a sporting goods store that specializes in hunting and shooting products. And this is significant because SWFA Outdoors is only about three minutes or less than a mile away from Creekside Church, so just up Highway 287. And a little more than two hours after the car exited the parking lot, Missy was murdered down the street. Now, at first, police only released a description of the vehicle and some still photos. They said the driver is not necessarily a suspect in the case, but they did want to speak to whoever it was. Months later, on December 5th, 2016, SWFA Outdoors posted the surveillance footage to their YouTube account, so this was the first the public had seen of it. It shows a car entering the parking lot of Midlothian Business, SWFA Outdoors, and this car spends a few minutes driving bizarrely in circles around the parking lot, randomly stopping to park or flash their brights. In the description of the YouTube video, SWFA says the car entered the parking lot at 1.58 a.m. 
and exited at 2.04 a.m. Let's take a look at some of this surveillance footage of this uh, suspicious vehicle. So you can clearly see a light-colored sedan enters the empty parking lot. And, and they turn off their lights when they first Headlights come are in, off, yep. And they turn them back on. Uh, it's raining um, outside on this night. And as we go farther along in here, it seems like they're driving in circles around, like these parking lots kind of surround the building. So it's almost like they're circling the building and circling different areas of the parking lot. Headlights are still off. Moving very slowly. I'm surprised. I wonder if they tried to like stop and like, I wonder if there's any zoom on these or not. Cause I felt like that right under the street lamp there, there was a way to, you might have a nice shot of the driver, but maybe not. Well, I'm sure they tried. Of course they did. Then they go around the back, like the loading bay area, it looks like. Headlights are back on there for a sec. Lights go off. Looks like a reflection there or mm -hmm. they're under something maybe. Oh, it looks like they're underneath a part of the parking lot. Headlights are back on. And they're just, yeah, it's really weird the way they're driving. They're like kind of hitting their brakes. So then they come back around eventually. I mean, this goes on for, for a few minutes. Headlights are on at this point. And then they park under a street light here. Turn the lights off and then just kind of sit under the street light for a good couple of minutes before they turn leave. and then proceed to leave the parking lot. And as they're leaving, the headlights are back on. Wait till a semi passes. Turn right back on 287. Odd. You seem very cautious. Yeah, it's definitely odd, but I think it depends on how you look at it because. I mean, they really could have been someone suspicious, someone related to the case, staking the out the building. That. Yeah, it definitely does. But it also could have just been someone random doing who knows what, even like teenagers looking for a place to smoke some weed or something. Yeah, or like yeah. to hook up. I mean, people do that all the time. But I don't know. At the same time, it does seem extremely weird to keep going around and. Or a burglar, like or, casing, or casing a, mm -hmm. you know, casing a potential. But what are the chances they they're going to burglarize yeah. this place again? Right, and why, like, show your vehicle on camera and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly strange. Well, for the police's sake, I see why they would at least like to talk to this individual because if mm -hmm. if it's somehow connected to this case, then obviously this could be a major break. But obviously, it's unknown whether or not this car is connected to the case and the driver of the car has not been identified and police weren't able to make out a license plate number from the surveillance footage. They also couldn't see the driver. The police do believe that the car is a light colored 2010 to 2012 Nissan Altima, a 2010 to 2012 Infiniti G37 or something similar to that. There is what looks like an oval bumper sticker on the back of the car, and there's been a lot made out of this. MPD did mention this sticker in their tweet about the vehicle, and in the footage, we can see an oval shape centered on the bumper below the license plate. Here's, here's the footage so we can kind of slow it down and see it a little better. We're going to play it once through, and then we'll slow it down. So that's the footage. I mean, very hard to see, obviously. I mean, it's so hard to see. 
as I said, there's been a lot of back and forth about this sticker, um, a lot of discussion online, and many people have claimed that this isn't actually a sticker, that this is a reflection of the SWFA store logo. Now, SWFA does have an oval-shaped logo as well, and this logo is on two lit signs on the exterior of the building. So at first glance, this explanation sounds like it might make a lot of sense, but it actually doesn't for a couple of reasons. Let's explain. So first off, in the footage, you can see the oval shape stays a consistent size as the car moves further away from the sign. So if it was from the sign, the size and shape would obviously change, but it clearly doesn't. Second of all, the oval shape is dark throughout the footage. And if the spot was reflected lights, the spot would be bright, like the other lights reflecting on the car. Third, the angles just don't work. The footage we just watched was taken from the camera attached to the west flagpole in front of the store, and it records the car moving straight down the middle of the compass pattern in the driveway and then turning right onto the highway, as we saw. And the SWFA sign is to the right of the Altima. If it reflected off the bumper, it would show up on the left side, not on the center. And we've included some very helpful diagrams from Reddit user DiscoWolf, who made these to explain this point. So the spot is not a sign reflection, and that means it still very well may be a sticker. It seems like it's not a super significant detail to talk about, but the sticker could potentially be very important. It could be a way to differentiate this car from all of the other Nissan Altimas in the area. As for why you can't see it in the other shots, it's because of a combination of camera angles, low resolution, and reflection from the brake lights or license plate and rain. And it may make it easier for someone who recognizes the car to make the connection. And it could tell investigators something about the driver of the car as well. People put stickers on their car for everything. The college they went to, the vacation destinations, where their kid goes to school, sports teams they root for, etc. All identifying info. For example, when I first saw the oval spot, I was reminded of those black and white, you know, oval stickers that people put on the back of their cars. We'll put some on screen as examples. They usually are abbreviations of place names like OBX for the Outer Banks or NC or HHI for Hilton Head Island or South Carolina. Um, it's very common to have these types of stickers. I'm sure you guys have seen these plenty of times. Or it's common for long distance runners to put the distance that they've raced on those stickers like 26.2 for a marathon or 13.1 for a half marathon. So maybe the driver likes to run. So finding out what that is and what that sticker actually said could be huge. Or maybe the Nissan in question was a rental car. Rental car companies commonly put stickers somewhere on the car. For example, the oval spot on the Nissan also sort of looks like an oval logo for AAA, uh, which oftentimes people put the AAA sticker on their rentals. And that's, that's also in the same shape. So going back to the store itself, it's interesting to note that SWFA Outdoors is a hunting store. It's not necessarily an outdoor store. It's more of a gun store. In fact, they list themselves in their Facebook profile as a gun store. If you scroll through the Facebook profile, it's clear to see that they're a guns and ammo store. 
that's really their focus. And they also sell some hunting and shooting equipment as well. But it's not like Cabela's or a Bass Pro style outdoor store. Definitely not a Cabela's or no, not even close. But obviously this store wasn't open at 2 a.m. And I highly doubt that the driver of that vehicle thought that. It's just an interesting coincidence that of all the places, there are plenty of closed businesses on that street. Why choose SWFA? Was there a specific reason? Well, I think it depends on what you think the vehicle is doing there. If it was just teenagers rolling around, I would. this is a little weird for teenagers to be in that parking lot. There's nobody there. You stick out. You know, if you're trying to like conceal yourself to do something, then why would you go there? You know what I mean? But I mean, because how much do you teenagers think through are dumb? Yeah. And, it, and it's a pretty like looks like at that time of night, too. It's not like super busy on that highway. So yeah, there's not, not a lot of cars going by a lot. It's but like, what are you that worried about? True. You know, I do really think there is a possibility that this vehicle was was casing SWFA gun shops get broken into all the time. Yeah, it's it's like. People it definitely could you know, have been talk about a place to get a lot of valuable things all at once. Gun shop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's possible that this car was is related to this case, and they were just driving down, you know, the highway, looking at these businesses that are kind of desolate at night. There's not there's not a lot of traffic at that yeah. that time of night from sort the surveillance it footage. It's like a semi truck once in a while, mm-hmm. and so maybe they're just making their way down the highway, popping into the different parking lots and taking a look to see is this a potential place i'm going to break into and then they do a couple laps around the building and then they go and and enter and they just made their way gradually down the highway and everything just happened to happen the way that it did with that individual ultimately choosing the church to break into probably because they they're like well there's probably something valuable in there and you know it's should be relatively easy to get into. It's not as well lit or, you know, maybe not as many cameras, visible cameras on the outside. So I don't know. That's kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's hard because we just don't know. And as far as we know, the person that was driving the car has not come forward to law enforcement either because they were doing, either because there is a connection to this case or they were doing something else they don't want law enforcement to know about or they just don't know that they're actually... Being looked Even for, being yeah. Looked for, yeah. Yeah, true. Let's be real. For those that have pets, you know just how expensive having a pet can truly be from their food to pet sitting, whatever it may be, the cost can quickly skyrocket. And another one of those costs that really skyrockets, it seems like these days, is veterinarian costs. And as an owner of 10 animals, which I love so dearly, my four dogs, my three cats, and my three bunny rabbits love them but man does their costs get high let me tell you well this podcast is sponsored by embrace pet insurance and it's time to upgrade your pet insurance game whether you have a dog or a cat well thanks to our friends over at embrace pet insurance which this episode is sponsored by they're here to help you upgrade your pet insurance game because if there's one cost that is definitely worth having when you have a pet it's having insurance just like a human i mean our pets are basically like our human companions at this point so why not have insurance for them because did you know that vet care prices have increased by 33 percent from 2022 to 2023 and what's great is that embrace pet insurance offers a 10 percent multi-pet discount which in our case definitely uh came in clutch saved us some money there 
one of my favorite things that Embrace Pet Insurance offers is also a 24-7 helpline. So you can call them if you want to, you know, get an opinion on whether or not you should bring your pet into the vet. They're there to answer any questions you have about insurance or your pet's needs. They also have an optional wellness reward program to ensure you prioritize preventative care for your pet because your pet's just like your car. You got to do preventative maintenance on it, you know, to make sure that your pet lives a long, healthy and happy life which I know some of you are probably on the fence about getting pet insurance or think it may be unnecessary, but man, I mean, I know firsthand just how expensive paying outright for vet costs is, and you will save so much money by getting pet insurance. It's much more affordable than you can even imagine, especially compared to high emergency vet costs. I mean, forget about it. You'll be, uh, yeah, you almost need to take out a loan sometimes for those. So don't wait for the unexpected to happen. Join the massive community of pet owners who trust Embrace Pet Insurance to protect their pets. Head to EmbracePetInsurance.com slash MileHire and sign up for pet insurance today. Make sure you go to EmbracePetInsurance.com slash MileHire or else they won't know that we sent you. That's EmbracePetInsurance.com slash MileHire. Missy's murder rocked the community and triggered an outpouring of grief because nobody could understand why someone would want to murder Missy. I mean, she's just such a kind, loving, trying to help people. There's just no reason for it. And this was also the first murder in Midlothian in the past seven years. Tips in this case have poured in. A local business, Oak Farms Dairy, offered a $10,000 reward for information that led to a suspect's arrest and indictment. SWFA Outdoors even offered a $10,000 reward for any information. And this reward was increased to $50,000 in October 2016 and then to $150,000 in 2021, and $100,000 of this reward money came from an anonymous donor. But days turned to weeks, and weeks turned to months. Tips continued to pour in, but they didn't go anywhere. This case quickly became a media frenzy, and online sleuths tried to fill in the gaps in this case themselves, and this has led to a lot of negative consequences and misinformation. For example, there were reports in the media claiming that the killer tried cleaning up the scene. This was widely reported on many mainstream news outlets, such as Nancy Grace on HLM. Oh, Nancy. Nancy Grace also reported in May 2016 that an arrest in Missy's case was imminent, inspiring a lot of false hope in people who wanted justice for Missy. This is, she does this all the time. She, she really frustrates me and I think is a big problem in the true crime space, to be honest. I know she has a lot of fans. I know people that she has hurt personally and I have my feelings. She she still has me blocked on Twitter for calling her out all those Yeah, years I'm ago. not a fan at all. No, I think I'm she's not. extremely annoying. But anyways. Also just salacious and yeah. really hurt, like really hurtful yeah. to many people. Anyway, conversation for a different time. The Midlothian police reported that both of these things were not true. The church cleaned the building once police released the scene, and obviously nobody was arrested in 2016 or has been arrested at all in this case. And many people close to Missy have been continually harassed and hounded by both the media and members of the public. Many of the people named in the search warrants have faced continued accusations from sleuths on the internet, hence why we did not name drop those individuals. In 2017, Brandon Beavers told Crime Stories that he was no longer going to be talking about his wife's murder. Instead, he's going to focus on talking about who Missy was as a person. Here is that full email he wrote to Crime Stories here. It says, My family's story, while we all have good days and bad, the children are not terribly fond of apprehending this person. They don't want to revisit those emotions. They have told me this. They see here the daily anxiety I have in finding this person. And I think they're tired of the mentality this puts our day-to-day -day life in. 
They want normalcy and happiness. I want justice, but I too fear the reality of bringing this case person to trial and the emotional uncertainty that may go with it. So you have to ask yourself, did you bang your head on a wall every day with this? Do you allow the unsolved aspect of this to infiltrate your thoughts? Put yourself in a foul state of mind every day when you have three kids to focus on. Starting 2018, I'm done allowing this uncertainty to control me this way. I will leave the head banging and brain rot to the investigators. Trust me when I say they are qualified. I have spent most of this time feeling my responsibility to Missy was to find this person. That's just not realistic. My duty to Missy is to memorialize her life, and that is exactly what I will do for her and the children's sake. She deserves this for all that she has contributed in her lives. I'm done talking about this investigation, theories, etc. I wish all the whack jobs, social media stuff would go to hell. Why do these people not realize they have left a door open for my children to peer into one day? How damaging could this be? No factual basis for all the speculation whatsoever. This behavior has not left Missy the real legacy she deserves, particularly in my children's eyes. From this point forward, the only thing I will discuss is who Missy was, her contributions to my life, the children, this family, and numerous other people she loved. You bet I loved her. I know without a doubt she loved me. Don't you see the real value in this? There is no value in discussing events that led up to her murder or to speculate if she was targeted and why. What if the perp enjoys listening to all this rhetoric? What this person needs to hear is who they took from us. The mother, the wife, the daughter, sister, friend, etc. These topics are more relevant and purposeful than anything else as far as logic is concerned. The activity surrounding this investigation is best left to the investigators. They have way more concrete information that isn't up for discussion or for sale. Yes, you can share this. It's all I have to say right now. Thank you, Brandon Beavers. I see why that has caused so much speculation, but I do, I see where he is coming from as well and that he wants to protect his children. That's, that's a very valid reason. And I'm sure law enforcement, FBI has told him that it could damage the case the more that he speaks on it, which is true. Um, at this, you know, at the same time though, I, I see, I see why it weirds people out. Yeah. Cause I mean, people could say, well, he's just trying to make this all go away mm -hmm. and he doesn't want it to be looked into. And so this is his way of doing that. But I mean, that's just our opinion, right? Like yeah. he has, he's entitled to his opinion too. And he's the one living this. So mm -hmm. I a hundred percent respect uh, his statement there. But in 2018, when Missy's daughter Allison was a high school freshman, she auctioned off a show pig she raised for the Ellis County Youth Expo. Allison wanted to use the funds to help continue the investigation into her mother's murder. The Ellis County Women in Business Group bought the pig for $15,000, and Allison tried to give that money to the Midlothian Police Department to help with the investigation. However, the police declined the money, because obviously if they took the money, this could be seen as some sort of bribe, or it sends the wrong idea, you know, that you have to pay the police in order to get their case investigated more. So instead, Allison donated the money to children of special needs, which was a cause close to her mother's heart. Missy's funeral was held on April 23rd at the Cowboy Church. She was buried at the Shiloh Cemetery in Ovilla, Texas. And the next day, her mother-in-law, Marsha Tucker, wrote an open letter to Missy's killer. And then she wrote another open letter to the killer two weeks later. We'll put the letters up on the screen and, you know, to summarize it, she's basically you know, taunting the killer in a way, being like, I guarantee your life has been more miserable than ours. Your life has been filled with peace that you wouldn't understand. Something only a God-fearing, saved by Jesus person truly understands. Um, are you feeling all the love from your family or friends, or do they suspect you, thinking something is not right with you? Are you getting a bit nervous, shaking your boots that look too big? You should be. It's just a matter of time now. Go ahead and clear your conscience. You'll feel better. 
No sense in having your family witness you being picked up by the police and leaving that lasting vision on your minds forever. We are all waiting. Basically like calling for the killer to stop being a coward, come forward and own up to what they did uh, in these Facebook posts here. But bottom line here is Missy lost her life. We have no idea who killed her. And it's a, you know, a case that I really hope will be solved one day. And her family and friends are suffering. They miss her every day. They say life isn't the same with her. And they want Missy to be remembered as a loving, kind, caring woman that she was. Missy's daughter, Hannah, said, quote, What I remember most about my mom is how she cared for us all and how much she always tried her hardest to do everything for us and meet all our needs. She was probably the biggest role model that anybody could ever have. And here's what Brandon had to say to Missy's killer. I'm discouraged to the point where I truly want to just reach out to this individual myself. As odd as it may sound, I, I, can, I can truly forgive you for what you've done, but only if you come forward, turn yourself in, um, do what's right. You know, don't live the rest of your life uh, with this on your heart because it will eat you like cancer. The same applies with my family. We need closure. This is going to eat us, eat us alive for many years to come. And it's been almost eight years since Terry Leanne Missy Beavers was murdered. Her case is still unsolved and her loved ones deserve the answers. And Missy deserves justice. Her killer deserves to rot in jail. There is a $150,000 reward for anyone who can provide information leading police to an arrest and grand jury indictment in this case. So if you have any information, please get that to the right people. Please say something. Please encourage anyone with that information to call Crime Stoppers in Ellis County at 972-937-PAYS or 7297 or the Midlothian Police Department Criminal Investigation Division at 972-775-7634. Let's go over the possibilities here once again, the theories that people have. And again, we don't want to spend too much time speculating because I don't think it's helpful in this case. And there's already so much of that going around. But just to kind of go over the possibilities here, obviously, maybe it was someone who was jealous of Missy for some reason. Maybe it was someone who didn't actually know Missy or at least know her well and was more of like an obsessed stalker especially since she had this online presence. And what's really scary is that this person may kill again or may have already killed because they are sort of emboldened by the fact that they got away with this. Um, it seems likely that police have a lot of information that hasn't been released to the public, as we said. I mean, they most definitely do, but maybe they even have a few suspects and they're just waiting for a break in the case to move in and arrest someone. Hopefully that's the case that they're closer than it appears. Yeah, I, I tend to think that based on the surveillance footage of the suspect and that just the timing is so yeah. weird. The fact yeah. that the suspect enters the church shortly before Missy arrives is either just absolutely crazy coincidence. If this is just like a burglar, like if I go back to the theory of the burglar was scoping out businesses and then they just randomly decided to go into the church that night and then and then just it just so happened that Missy 
you know, came in that morning right when they were there, which again, very possible, not impossible. It's just, it feels like yeah, almost that would be crazier, you know, a crazier thing to have happened than yeah. Missy have been stalked by somebody, you know, the camp gladiator saying she's introduced to a lot of random people that come in and out of that circle. Yeah. And there's also a lot of anger around this camp gladiator organization oh, online. Yeah. The- I mean, any like major MLM like that, there's a lot of uh, drama going on. Could have been someone who felt like slighted or Mm -hmm. felt like they wasted money or somebody disgruntled. Could be. But I agree. I don't I really don't think that this was a burglary gone wrong, wrong place, wrong time. It could be, of course, but it, it does seem like she was targeted. And we'll play another interview with Brandon, who later on said that he does believe this was targeted. Yeah, he changes. Let's let's uh insert that. Last, you had said that you believe she had walked in on a burglary. I need to clarify that. Um, when I came up here to review, now you got to remember, was that on, that was on Tuesday or Monday? When I gave that statement. I want to say it was Tuesday. Okay. You got to remember, uh, no sleep. Uh, I'm in poor. I'm in bad health. Uh, and. Uh, no, I do not believe that she was, uh, I believe that she was targeted. Okay, that's my opinion. That's not, that's not any information that anybody provided me, but uh, I believe she was targeted. Another big point that's up for debate is, is the suspect a male or female? Mm-hmm. And Brandon, as you just heard, believes it's a female, and I kind of tend to agree. I, I lean that way too. Which, when I lean more towards the female, being the one that killed her, I find it less likely that it was just a solo female burglar. Yes. I feel like that's agree. really unheard of. Like not that females aren't don't do burglaries, but I feel like a solo female burglar is very Much rare. Much more rare, yeah. And that it could have been it seemed more likely in that case that it could have been someone in her life or someone in the, the gladiator world yeah. or like the MLM world yeah i i feel like it's in that world in some way shape or form and i feel like whoever this individual was thought through their plan enough to try and create the illusion that they were just a burglar and perhaps that is them in their car and they purposely went down the street to to kind of leave a trail yeah for police to kind of maybe they thought they're going to send them, you know, a different direction or, you know, they thought it would somehow co- help cover their tracks or maybe they could. I mean, who knows how organized this is? It could be in a decoy car yep. that they sent over there to create a distraction and have the police look for this Nissan Altima when the suspect actually left in a totally different vehicle altogether, um, which is. Yeah, good point. I, you know, I just go back to how did this person commit this murder in 30 minutes and then leave the scene completely undetected when multiple students had shown up at the end of that window Mm -hmm. without being seen. And again, there's a possibility they slipped out without their lights on or something and nobody saw them and they were able to get out of there before that. But I just find it very, very weird that they were able to get in and out. Yeah, I agree. And also I think it'll be, when we actually know the cause of death, I think that'll be very, uh, a very big clue in all of this. Because if she was, was she bludgeoned with the, the hammer or 
the pry bar or was she actually shot that that's another question because it you also have to think of when you you know if you're bludgeoning somebody like that is a it's a much messier crime it takes a lot longer and you know I'm, i'd also be interested to see what the ems reports say like what was the state what she was unresponsive but was she still alive they pronounced her deceased but was she you know what was the point at time was she already deceased when they arrived on the scene i assume that's what happened but like what's the state of of her physical condition at that point you know what i mean other than there's a pool of blood like what was her blood spatter like what did the actual crime scene look like yeah Um, because i think that'll tell us a lot more i feel like they do know uh, they obviously know a lot more and it's just not been released but i think that yeah kind of all points to i do too i think the the fact that they're after so much time still haven't you know released such important details means they're they probably don't need further help from the public and that they they might be on the right track of course that's just my speculation and hope but yeah who knows this one is very confusing i do see why the police and fbi did their they did their due diligence in looking into brandon and you know his his father and those closest to her because obviously the stats support you know doing so in these types of cases um but again in doing that and digging that up it also opened a whole other can of worms and you know if if brandon you know is innocent which he's innocent until proven guilty then that you know it's just horrible for him to have to have to deal with all that coming out and the warrants coming out because you know obviously that puts a lot of eyes on you and you know i'm sure made made this so much worse uh than it needs to be but it i think he's glad they at least cleared it you know clear to his alibis and everything and again i know that there will be so many of you out there who do really suspect brandon and that some of you don't suspect him um it's just a tough situation and we really didn't want to go too hard down that road because i mean he's kind of screwed regardless which really sucks if he's innocent because he is of course going to be the first person that the public and investigators look at because he's her husband And it's made even worse by the fact investigators found evidence of both financial and marital issues from their phone data dumps. And of course, the evidence of extramarital funny business on Missy's part, at the very least, it looks like a clear motive, even if he didn't do it, which no doubt compounds all the things he must be feeling. I mean, think about it. Your wife gets murdered and then you're already having issues in your marriage. And then you have to go through this unimaginable experience just horrific grief having to tell your daughters that their mother is gone and then the public is accusing you and or your father of killing your wife and then you find out she's been talking to another man so like a lot of the emotional strife that he's been going through and that the way that he's acting in these i think could make a lot of sense um not to say that there isn't a possibility that he is somehow involved like he said leave the door open yeah and I, i'm glad he even said that about himself yeah leave the door i honestly open. don't think it's very weird that he said that i think that mm. was i mean no matter what this man says yeah, it's there's going no way to you be slice it where apart. it's yeah and as for his alibi it almost wouldn't matter where he was if he's out of town or not because he's damned if he does he's damned if he doesn't um if he was in town at the time that's proof that he was involved if he wasn't out of town at the time it's considered you know awfully convenient and the evidence 
that he hired a hitman or was trying to cover up his involvement in some way. Yeah, the more I think about this, the more I really don't feel like this is a hitman job because it's just... I don't... This would be too risky of a hit if you think about it. Like, why would they do the hit at the church, in the church? It doesn't seem like For one, that she goes to all the time. There's a possibility of her students showing up. Why on earth would they risk that? So it's like, I, I feel like this is a disgruntled camp gladiator person. Maybe. Potentially, in my opinion. Maybe, 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 maybe. That's That was upset with her for one reason or another. I mean, if you just Google Camp Gladiator MLM on Google, and I mean, Reddit has a whole thing on this this organization. People are very, very upset with it. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of proof out there that this isn't a great organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, and a lot of people who get into MLMs and stuff, when they get out, you know, they feel a certain type of way. I mean, a lot of money gets wasted and among other things. So I think it could be something related to that. But I do think there's also just a possibility that this was just a random crime of opportunity. Of course, it's a possibility. I just think it's so unlikely. But I don't know. I don't know. But it seems to me more like this was a stage burglary that this person was there waiting trying to make it look like he has been ransacked through and then they knew, knew she was going to show up at this time and they were there waiting. I do think it's most likely she was targeted, but there's just not enough to, I don't feel comfortable leaning towards any theory, you know, too strongly. Well, this one's nobody this, knows. So yeah. there's no point. No. And I just don't want to hurt this family or the case even more by specul over speculating. I just hope the police and the FBI are able to figure this out. And solve this. This seems know. like a solvable case. Yeah, how case. long has it been? Seven years? Seven plus years now. Yeah. Seven years. It's crazy. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they're closer than we think, you know, and just keeping things tied to the vest. But yeah, I feel like they are, but we'll see. I'm let sure us, there'll be developments with this as we go forward. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully soon. But let us know what you guys think on the different possibilities here. Um, we definitely want to hear from you. You guys always have some really insightful things to say in the comments. And if you are listening, you can go to our Instagram page at Pod and let us know what you think about the case there as well. Um, but that is going to be it for us this week. We will be back next week, of course. But until then, keep on taking your mind a mile higher. <laughs>